Luke 2, 8 through 21. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Paige. Well, as we come to the passage this morning, obviously an an announcement was made. Uh, Now, some of you are like, hey, I got a post on Facebook. Jamie's wearing a jacket and a tie. This is worthy of an announcement. And we're kind of in an announcement age, right? Like people want to announce stuff. They want to announce uh, when engagements happened. I mean, when I was engaged, we had to get paper and announce it. Now you can, you can pre-announce it and save the date, and then there's more announcements that happen. Or, hey, we need to make an announcement about the gender reveal of what our kid's going to be, and I'm not picking on any of those things. I think it's great uh, to celebrate the greatness of, of what God has done in your life. But as I think about announcements that are made, you know, some do fanfare. There's one individual that sticks out, uh, Steve Jobs. Whatever you think about him and Apple products, I'm not trying to promote them or anything, but Steve Jobs was pretty, pretty amazing at making announcements. Like when the iPod came out, which I don't even know if you can buy one anymore, you know, the, the slogan was, you can have a thousand songs in your pocket. Some of you are like, only a thousand? Yeah, for us old people, that was like amazing. We're like, how do you fit a record in your pocket? And when one thin computer was, came out, he, he comes out with a manila folder and he's just carrying a manila folder and he just dramatically pulls it out. So there's this fanfare because there's an announcement is made. And as we come to this text, it, it seems like rather than a spectacular announcement, like at poise in time for everyone to hear, it's God's 
unspectacular launch event. Like, yeah, we, we think about the angels coming and, and, and coming to talk and making that announcement, and we see it, and we read it, and that's loud. But if we think about the context of it, we realize, like, it wasn't a worldwide announcement. And that's kind of a downer, because when you look at what was being anticipated, if you look at Isaiah 9, 6, which says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is familiar. That is familiar to us in this season. We hear it, and we can easily go by it, because we have to remember when it was shared. It was shared to a people who were on their way into 70 years of exile. They were going to lose their homes they, they lost everything. They were in a land where they, they didn't belong. And so they were longing for this to come true. They were waiting for it, waiting for it more than any product release ever. I mean, think about this epic announcement. A mother is going to give birth to a child that's not ordinary. He would be born human, but he would also be divine. This son would be born of a woman and given to us. This son would share the names of God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This son, as people were anticipating, would shoulder a unique government that would be inaugurated by God and would establish peace. And they were longing for peace. So you would think, you would think if there's that kind of cataclysmic anticipation, this newsflash qualifies for like the greatest announcement in the world. God becoming man and installing a government of unending peace. Epic would be an understatement to describe this announcement. But look back at your Bibles. Verse eight, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. If you're gonna make an announcement Who's your, if you're going to make a worldwide announcement, who's your target audience? A few shepherds. Uh, marginalized guys in society, uh, kind of smelly, right? People aren't just hanging out with them. Location. The center of Madison Square Garden with all the cameras on them. Field outside of town. Oh, certainly it's happening at some unique time of day so that everyone can tune in. Middle of the night, after midnight, everyone is sleeping. Though we read the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. Like the angels came. These weren't 
baby, fat baby cherubs with wings flying around. When you encounter angels, as you see here, it evokes fear. God got it right. He sent the right messengers. But nobody heard it. Steve Jobs would have been greatly disappointed. But God was delighted. God was delighted. God was intentional to do that. See, God works in the unspectacularly ordinary. Our God works often in the things that are unspectacular and completely ordinary. You know, this took place at a time when all the major news outlets missed it. No one was streaming on social media. No one was going live. The paparazzi were not tipped off to come and snap pictures. Yet the announcement was resounding to a few ordinary shepherds. Author Dave Harvey said, but that's what makes it so beautiful. God didn't aim his good news at the powerful, the noble, the mavens, or the networkers, the gatekeepers, and the educated elite were passed over. History's most important newsflash wasn't announced from a palace balcony. It didn't arrive with an entourage. It didn't. God's good news was and is for regular humble folk like you and me. Humble folk enough that they would believe God would come in ways he, that we never expected. As a weak, swaddling cloth baby lying in a manger. I want to ask you, some of you have been waiting on God. You want God to introduce himself to you into some cataclysmic way. And I get it. You're like, I mean, God, he speaks, he creates stuff out of nothing. He created the universe. He's the king of the universe. I don't think this is much of a request because you've heard maybe powerful testimonies who people have dramatic encounters with God and they come to Christ. And I love those stories. But oftentimes when we hear those stories, we expect that every time God comes, he must come with some kind of fireworks. At least, at least some like goosebumps, right? Like give me some goosebumps, some warm fuzzies, like from the inside out. Listen, you are not alone in feeling that way. You're not alone in feeling that way and wanting God to do something powerful to show himself to you. My own conversion has little fanfare. Uh, there is, there's nothing really spectacular about it. <coughs> Though I know I was blind, I didn't know Christ, and now I see 
And that's clear in my story. I don't have like the day where I can say it happened right then and there. People fell down when I got saved. It was amazing. No, my my friend even had a similar experience and he said, I would have settled for an angel holding a sparkler with a sign saying, hey, wake up. God's real, follow him. Like, come on, just, just a little bit. We have to understand when we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the greater miracle. We heard in Caleb and McKenna's story, you can hear it in the stories in this room. I love hearing the stories that are told in this room about how God transformed by the power of the gospel, not by some event or goosebumps, but God does the transforming work. God's the one that can change our desires. God's the one that can direct our gaze to Christ to give us a hunger for his word. But God often arrives in unexpected ways. He does, as we see here at the arrival of his son. So if you're in the place where you've been waiting for God to speak to you, he is. He is right now. He's calling you to come to faith in Christ, to surrender your life to Jesus, not to just pray a prayer. He wants all of you. He wants to meet you. He wants to transform you. He wants to walk with you. And you can respond to him today and begin a journey. But as we consider God coming on the scene in an unspectacularly normal location. What can we learn from this passage to transform our experience of Christmas? Because we've been experiencing it, right? The, the last month or more, maybe some of you already had like some of the big family gatherings where you get together and you're experiencing Christmas. But I think as we look at this passage fresh, we don't want it to just be a familiar story. We want it to, we want this introduction that, that should have been a worldwide announcement, at least by our, you know, expectations, should have been spectacular. God takes this and this story can change your, your unspectacular experience, change your ordinary experience to something unexpected and extraordinary. Because as we look at what, how the angels, how the shepherds, how Mary responded to the news, it can help us to practice, to praise, to proclaim, to ponder differently. So we want to just look at those four words. This text can help us have a spectacular experience with Christ by practicing servanthood like the Savior. Look at verses 10 to 12. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find him 
wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This announcement reminds us, as we consider it, it reminds us that the God of the universe, Jesus, was in his rightful place. The book of John tells us that everything that was made was made through Jesus. You know, he's got some authority. He's got some clout. Uh, he's, he's got a great parking spot because he's important. And he left all of that to come. Philippians unpacks this for us. Philippians 2, it says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being born in human likeness. At the center of the Christmas story is a manger. And we can often see the manger and go, oh, that's really cute. Or some of you are like, man, the guy that built that, he did a really great job. Like, we, can, we can be distracted by the physical thing, but it's meant to remind us. It's meant to remind us that God became flesh. God completely emptied himself and became weak and dependent. But the one who became weak and dependent continued a lifestyle of being dependent, dependent on his father. And he willingly became a servant. Now, as we think about serving like Christ, full disclosure about me. At Christmas time, give me a couch, a football game, a well-appointed charcuterie board. And I descend into sloth-like status. And I seem to think that I can control the remote, whether it's in my hand or not. That is something that I feel entitled to. That, that's what can happen. But if we consider the significance of the manger, we consider what Christ has done, that Jesus emptied himself Ordinary stuff can become extraordinary. Because if we consider Christ serving, if, if we, instead of descending into a self-focused state, we consider something practical like going to the kitchen and parking ourselves at the sink after dinner to do the dishes. Moms, please don't nudge anyone right now. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. But if we take that step and we do that cleanup, it creates something different in our Christmas experience. It creates something different. The first scenario celebrates me, let's be honest, taking advantage of others for my own comfort. The second is about putting my selfishness to death and to serve. When you're washing the dishes, don't think about the couch, think about Jesus. Think about how Christ emptied himself. You're only doing the dishes. You're not dying for the sins of the world. But those simple things can point us to Christ. Jesus did not just arrive as a baby. He took those of us who 
our babies and calls us to action to become more like him. When you do those things, you become more like him. He takes normal people like you and me. Or you might be like, hey, uh, I'm one of the abnormal people. I wish I was a normal people. No, he takes all of us and he transforms us to be more like him when we surrender to him. So during the season, let's practice servanthood like the Savior, the one who was announced. But then we see that the angels and the shepherds praise him. Let's praise like the angels and the shepherds. Now, I know that as you come to Christmas time, there are expectations. Have you entered a Christmas season or finished a Christmas season and had your expectations completely exceeded and overwhelmed, you couldn't imagine that God showed up in such a profound way? Or, or have you had your expectations completely disappoint you to the point where you're like, I don't think we're going to do this again, ever? Like, you know, sometimes our disappointments at Christmas time get dashed as, as young as like five or seven, Right? Because you open up the gift and it's close. And everyone's like, oh, that's so cute. And, and you're like, this is what coal is. Isn't this what coal is? This is coal. In fact, this is, this is like drinking coal soup. That, that's, this is such a disappointment. I mean, we all laugh because we were there at one time, but you've had those things happen throughout your life. There can be Disappointments. We bring all kinds of expectations into this season. Most, most center around a memory that we're trying to create, either one that we're trying to revisit or one that we're trying to create that has never happened before in our life. And if, if we find ourselves in that place, that might be an indication we have missed the big picture. When the Christmas season doesn't deliver, and we don't get what we expect, remember, we have received that which we did not deserve. We've received that which we did not deserve. In God's infinite wisdom and mercy, God powerfully sent his son as a baby to a people who were hostile to him. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice. Because he grew up, he lived a perfect life, he died on a cross for those who would repent and believe in him. And he redeems us and gives us a new heart. So Christmas should remind us that we deserve something far worse than anything that we have received. We deserve judgment and that our God made a way to solve the problem. And the angels and the shepherds Sing about it. Look at verse 13 and 14. And suddenly, so after the announcement, the angels, and suddenly with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, so it's not just the angel. So he's, he's got the backup. He's got the backup choir coming. They come and they show up and a multitude says, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased Tim Keller reminds us what peace usually means in the Bible. 
Peace is not a general peacefulness with prosperity and a trouble-free life. Peace means the end of enmity and warfare. The Bible says the most fundamental and important peace is peace with God. The natural human heart wants to be king. And so it is hostile to God's claim of lordship over us. Our hearts are inclined to put ourselves on the throne. But the peace that's proclaimed here is peace with God. That's what we are celebrating. And if you haven't found peace, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, the call is there for you to surrender, to stop striving in the place where you are and come to the foot of the cross where you can find forgiveness and mercy and one who will give you transformation like you never imagined. Now, friends, it seems the shepherds responded to Christ because they met Jesus, and then this was the fruit of them meeting Jesus. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They were praising God. Why would we do two services in one day? I've been asked that from different people. People don't go to your church. Are you guys doing one service or even any church service at all? I'm like, no, we're doing two services. Why would we do two services? Because we now have peace with God and we want to celebrate it. Because verse 14 is absolutely true. Because we want to create space to sing. And to sing with other people so that the people who don't feel like they can sing, they can sing because the people who can sing are singing loud and we can sing together. It's awesome. I love to hear the kids sing and celebrate. There's something about when you hear kids singing Christmas carols that just make Christmas carols not feel old, but fresh because it's true because we're singing about all we have seen and heard. That's why we're gathering this morning. That's why we're gathering the evening, because we want to sing about all that we have seen and heard. So we want to praise like the angels and the shepherd. We ought to proclaim like the shepherds. Look back at your Bibles at verse 15 to 18. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. The shepherds were sharing the gospel. They were sharing that the prophecies were true that the Savior had come. They hadn't gone through evangelism training. No one had told them how to do this. They weren't doing this because they're like, ah, God will love us more if we tell people about Jesus. They didn't share because of some Christian obligation. Why did they share? They shared because they had encountered Jesus. 
They had encountered Christ. That's why they shared. Listen, I love you. And I want you to know God is calling you to tell other people about Jesus. You don't have to have some slick presentation together. That's not what they did. What did they do? They just simply went with haste. They went there and they made known the saying that had been told them. And they told people about their experience. That's, that's all they did. All you have to do is share your story. Just tell people your story. Just like Caleb and McKenna shared their story. That wasn't easy for them. It's, it's never like super easy sometimes, but like that's just our story. You can say, yeah, this is where I was at before and this is when I met Jesus and this is what he's done in my life since then. Since then. You have encountered Christ and he's changed your life. And I encourage you in this season, if you have the opportunity to sit with a relative that has met Jesus, ask them their story. Young people, find the old people in your family and ask them their story. Whatever old means to you. Find those old people and ask them their story. How fruitful that would be that the generations would pass on the gospel to one another because we just sometimes don't tell the story. Tell your story. God, we prayed this morning that God would open the door for us as we meet with family and friends over the next uh, week or so, that God would open doors for us to share our story. So let's proclaim like the shepherds. And, and lastly, how can this story that didn't get shared with the whole world at that moment, how can, how can this ordinary, ordinary people, how can that affect us to have an extraordinary experience? Well, I think... Lastly, we want to ponder like Mary. Look at verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Yes, Mary had encountered a messenger from God to tell her that she was going to carry the Christ child. But on this night, the angel showed up for the shepherds. She gave birth. It doesn't say it was easy. I anticipate it was as hard as you think giving birth in a stable would be. Hard. Ask any woman who's given birth here. You can enter into that hard. And yet, she heard about what the angels declared because the shepherds told her. She heard, she pondered, she considered what they had told her. And the scholars tell us that the word ponder here in our text in the original means to put it in context, to connect, to, to think about something. Pondering takes time and intentionality. You usually don't use the word ponder when you see someone running around frantically, right? You just don't, because that's not pondering. Pondering is not about fanfare and sparkle. Because as we consider the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke, it doesn't, 
it doesn't lend itself to the schmaltz and glitz and everything that's happening in the culture to try to promote the season and sell products. No, the Christmas story invites us to look below the surface, to see that the best gifts are often hidden in plain sight because God wrapped his gift in swaddling cloths and put it in a manger. One commentator referred to that as sacred simplicity. What are you doing to ponder in this season? To put yourself in the story, to slow down from all the food and all the presents and all the fanfare. Just slow down and consider the significance of this story. We, we don't need fanfare and hype. We are often served by simple practices that turn our eyes off of us and onto Christ. Simple practices in this season. If you're like, we don't have traditions. Well, talk to folks before you leave. There's different traditions we can learn from each other. It's not that one tradition is better than another, but, but man, traditions that turn our eyes off of us and onto Jesus are super helpful. Maybe, maybe you have a practice of reading the Christmas story in one of the gospels or right here in Luke before, before the presents are opened. I know the kids are like, oh, 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 I see the, I see the things under the tree. I'm ready to go get the, get it. I've already, I've already shaken it. We're ready to open it, right? You're ready to do it. Hey kiddos, this is great. But with the things that we're doing here next are, are so less important than this. That's what reading the Christmas story does. Maybe you have a tradition of expressing thanks after the gifts are open. Thanks to God for his provision, but directing our heart towards him. Maybe you can ask someone to share about how God has been faithful. Ask each person in the family, no matter the age, how has God been faithful? We often pray before the meal. Let's direct that to our king. Now, and you can do things like inviting the kids to, to act out the Christmas story. Or inviting your adult kids to do it. It doesn't matter how weird it is. Like, sometimes the, there's just something that where you just kind of break up the monotony of it. My mom did this one time. So I had a part to play in it. My kids were little. It was for them, but like she showed up at the family gathering with note cards and like one article of clothing or something that we had. And she just handed it all out. We were voluntold for it. So we just did it. Grandma says, do it. We do it. And you know what? It would, we all still talk about that time when that happened. And about how we were reminded of the real story of Christmas and, and Christ and coming and the significance of it just through doing something silly and fun. Friends, you don't have to be a genius. Particularly now, like with things like Pinterest and other things, you do not have to be a genius. You can 
be backward and not know how to read and you can learn things. There are different ideas. It's, it's great. But the goal is to direct our gaze to take life's ordinary moments and magnify our king. Ponder like Mary. J.I. Packer once wrote this about the Christmas story. He said, the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. But here's the thing. It's not staggering like the launch of some tech product or some new thing that has, uh, this new team that has been created or someone winning a sporting event. No, it's staggering because God chose the most unexpected way to launch a global invasion. He sent a baby born of a virgin and through the Christ child sent a servant that would influence eternity. That's what God did. And that's what God, what we are to focus our attention on as we read this story, as we gather together, may we be reminded of God's mercy and his grace and that it's available to the average person just like you and me. He didn't say, hey, uh, shepherds, go take a shower before you go do this. No, he doesn't say, go get cleaned up. He says, no, I'm going to come right where you are. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you right now, God, I want to pray for those who are struggling with coming to you because they feel like they got to get things fixed up or Lord, I want to pray for those that are just waiting for some kind of goosebump experience. God, you are present here, right here, right now. And we can come. You can come to Christ. You can come and worship him because because your acceptance by him has nothing to do with anything that you have done. It has to do everything with what he has done. I pray, God, that we would be aware of that. We would be aware that at Christmas time, the celebration is because now we have peace with God. And may we celebrate and may we pass this glorious message of the gospel on down to our children and to our family and our friends. God, would you meet us? Meet us in this season and in every season. And may, may the things that we reflect on in this season carry on through the end of the year and into next year and beyond. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.